Good to see you guys today. Are you feeling good? Because you look good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, so today we're continuing our series called A Whole New You. And let me give you the big idea behind this morning's message. T today I want to give you some practical ways that you can get your spiritual life back on track. Back on track. Just a show of hands, how many of you like to go to the beach? Show of hands. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. It, today's March the 1st, by the way. We're going to turn around in just a few weeks. It's going to be spring and, uh, you know, time to go to the beach. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I like to go to the beach anytime. All right, so you guys like the beach. How, how many of you still get in the ocean? Just a show of hands. See, not quite as many. Did you notice? Because a lot of people don't get in the ocean anymore. You know, this whole thing about um, there are more reports of uh, people seeing sharks and being bitten by sharks uh, I, I sort of think we're just the Jaws generation. Uh, I remember when Jaws was out in the theaters, you know, that, <laughs> that scared a, a whole generation uh, about going into the water. But I, I still love to get in the ocean and, and swim. Uh, when I was um, a little kid, uh, my dad would take me into the ocean, so I sort of blame him for this. I, I still like to get in the ocean even neck deep. And uh, ride the waves, which, um, you know, it's funny. Now, my dad won't get in the ocean. My parents live at the beach. They love the beach. They go down on the beach all the time. My dad plays lots of beach golf. But they don't get in the ocean. They'll get in the swimming pool, but not in the ocean. Again, it's that whole, that whole Jaws thing. Uh, my dad says that he never gets scared about anything. But I could tell you about the time we went to see Jaws in the theaters. But I, I won't tell you that. I, I'll, I'll say that for another day. But I, I used to love to go into the ocean and ride the waves with them. Do you know what I mean by that? Now, I, I don't see this as much today, but when I was a kid growing up, you know, you could have these inflatable rafts out in the ocean. And so what, what we would do, and just, just keep in mind, I mean, my, my dad would take me out to where it was neck deep for him. So it was way over my head. But we would wait for the waves to come in. And, you know, my dad would have me like on half of the raft and then at just the right time, you know, because it's all about timing, he would sort of push me out in front of the wave, and then he would lunge to get on the raft, and we would just ride in together. You get the picture? You got, okay. Well, I'll never forget this one time. I'm maybe seven or eight years old, and my dad said, okay, Jimbo. No, he called me Jimbo. Y you can't. <laughs> there may be one of, or two of you call me Jimbo, but... Well, you can call me Pastor Jimbo, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's just stay with Jimmy. And he says, okay, Jimbo, here comes a rip snorter. Now, that, that's just you know, one of these little funny words that he had, he had made up for what we called a really big wave. So he said, okay, Jimbo, here comes a rip snorter. He has me on, on the raft, on, on my half, and he, he, you know, he times it well. For me, he timed it just right for himself, not so much, but he, he pushed me into the wave, and then he lunged for the raft, but he missed the raft. So it was just me on the raft in this rip snorter. And uh, it was fun for about two seconds until the wave knocked me off of the raft, and then the undertow sucked me down to the ocean floor. And I, I literally, for just a moment, thought, this is the way it's going to end, you know, I'm eight years old, I wasn't really thinking all this, but I did think for a minute I was going to drown, 
mean, how, how do I get out of this? Well, anyway, he got to me, pulled me up out of the water. And when I finally got the, the salt and the, the sand and the snot wiped away, I, I looked up, you know, I'm trying to orient myself. And there's my mom standing on the beach. Apparently, she saw all that was happening. She got up out of her beach chair, and now, now she's standing at the edge of the water with her hands on her hips like this, look, <laughs> look, looking at my dad so that they can talk it over. And uh, my dad and I, uh, we got put in time out for the rest of the day, had to stay in the swimming pool. <laughs> you know. but, but I've thought several times back to that, you know, sometimes life can be like that, can it? I mean, one minute you're, you're just enjoying being in the water. It's a sunny day, it's nice, you're on vacation or, or whatever. And then the next minute, you're, you're on this wave that's bigger than you thought it was going to be. You know, when you first saw it, you thought it was going to be fun. Or it's going to be like every other wave that you've ever ridden or rode out in your life. And then the next minute, you're sucking in salt water and you're, you're, you're upside down, and you're wondering if you're going to survive it. There were also, you know, plenty of times where I remember being out in the water on my own, you know, a little, little older, and still couldn't go out as far as I could when my dad was out there with me. But, you know, when I'm going out into the water, my, my parents would say, okay, now stay where we can see you. You've heard that before, maybe from your parents, or you've said it to your kids. Now stay where I can see you. But then you, you get out there and you just start doing your thing and you're having a good time and you're not really paying attention. And, and there's this undercurrent that's just moving you down the coastline. It's not a riptide, so it's, it's not dragging you under. It's just, it, it's subtle and you don't even realize it. But then you look up and you're like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm way down the beach. And sometimes that can happen in our lives as well. There's these unexpected currents that take hold of our lives and, and things are happening to us. They're so subtle that we don't even realize it. And then one day you look up and you realize that you're not where you're supposed to be. Nothing looks familiar anymore. And you're thinking, how, how in the world did I, did I get here? I'm not where I want to be. You know, one day you're, um, you're in your 20s. The next minute, you're in your 30s. You had some fun, kind of crazy debt from your 20s, but now you've dragged that into your 30s and you've added a lot to it, and now you're swimming in debt. I know what that's like. Or when you were in your 30s, you know, you put on an extra 15 or 20 pounds and uh, you, you think no big deal, but then you get into your 40s and now you've added another 15 or 20 pounds to that. And you have high blood pressure too. And now you're in some trouble. Or, or maybe you dry out spiritually. You, you get bone dry because you've drifted away from God. And you look up one day and, and you ask, where am I? What, what happened? How, do I, how did I get here? I'm not where I want to be. I mean, some of you feel exactly like you're in that spot right now. You're not where you want to be. Well, let me tell you something. The good news today, the good news every day, is that your life can be different. Your life can be different with God. Every day is a brand new opportunity for a fresh start. If you look in your message notes, you'll see that 
the memory verse for today and not only for today and this week, but for this whole series, A Whole New You, is 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says, this means, he's talking about salvation, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Say that with me. New person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Now I want you to read it with me. Will you do that? Here we go. Three, two, one. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. A whole new you. See, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you trade in your old life for a new life. Jeff, how many years have you been here in that in church? Probably all your life. And, and some, some of us have. Some of you are hearing it for the first time today. But lots of us know that verse. We, we may not know it by heart. Hopefully at the end of this series you'll know it by heart. But we, we've heard that. The, the unfortunate thing is that most of us are not living a new life. Most of us are still living those overhurried, overstressed, even burnt out old lives. In other words, we're not living the life that God intends for us. I, I don't want you to speak out loud on this or even raise your hand, but I mean, are you living a life that you feel like is the, the life that God intends? I, I'm not asking you if, if you love your spouse or if you think you married the right person. Ho hopefully you feel that way. I, I'm not asking if you love your kids I'm not asking you if you feel okay financially. I'm asking you, do you feel like you're really living the life God created you to live? Our definition for a whole new you is this. It's very simple. Write this into your notes. A whole new you is the you God intended. The you God intended. Say that with me. The you God intended. Now I want you to personalize it and say the me God intended. Will you do that? The me God intended. Starting right now, starting right now, you have the opportunity to change your life. And it, it doesn't matter which area of your life is broken. You have the opportunity to start a brand new life. And today we're going to talk about how to have a spiritually healthy life. How to have a whole new you spiritually. So Jimmy, why are we starting here? Why wouldn't we start with physical health or financial health or mental health, emotional health, something like that. It's because whether you realize it or not, we are all spiritual beings. I'm not trying to weird you out or anything like that, but you and I are spiritual beings. Are we physical? Yes, we're physical. But let me tell you that one day when you die, 
the physical part of you will be buried or cremated or whatever plans you have for that. But the essence of you, the part of you that is real, the part of you that is eternal, the spiritual you will live forever. And every area of our lives revolves around the spiritual part of our lives. And and I'll tell you, until you get things right spiritually, you're never going to get things right financially. You you may get them better, but you're not going to get them right until you get things right spiritually, you're, you're never going to really get things right with your physical health or your mental health, your emotional health, or, or any other area of your life. I want to start this morning, and today's message is kind of in two parts. You know, I'm, first part of the message is this part one, and then the second part is, well, cleverly enough, it's part two, <laughs> but... but I want to give you seven spiritual habits, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time with these. I may explain one or two of them, but I'm not going to go into a lot of depth because over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack each one of these, but I just want you to have them, and and I, I want you to understand a couple of things about them just to give you some perspective. Um, I've been working on these for about two years. Now, it's not something I just thought up completely on my own. You know, the scriptures and others have, you know, had some impact, you know, in my thinking about these. But I've been trying to to figure out, like, some sort of spiritual portfolio. You know, if, if you, if you want to know how your uh, retirement's looking, hopefully you have a 401K, well, you just go and take a look at that 401K, and you check on your portfolio, when you check on your portfolio, you can sort of see how your financial future is looking. Well, I just think there ought to be some way to do that in our spiritual lives, some way to do a spiritual checkup. And so I thought of these habits, and then I wanted to quantify them. I wanted to be able to put, you know, I wanted to make them time-bound in some way. And so that's, that's what you're going to have here in this list. I'm going to talk about seven spiritual habits or seven disciplines that are, are kind of time-bound, that help you take a snapshot of your life spiritually to sort of see where you are. Now, a couple more things here. None of these spiritual habits are about you pleasing God, per se. Like somehow you need to make God happy, with you, like he's angry with you. And by the way, God is not angry with you. These habits are not some way to, to, um, you know, seem like this will get you in good favor with God. That that's legalism. God loves you right now as much as he'll ever love you. Do you realize that? God's never going to love you any more than he does now. And you know that because of Jesus. I mean, God has already loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us on the cross. I mean, God loves us enough to die for us. He's never going to love you any more than that. I mean, how much more could a person love or how much more could a God love you? 
But, but here's what these habits are about. They are about pursuing God. These habits, these spiritual disciplines are about getting to know the God who loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you on the cross. These seven habits are about you pursuing God and knowing him in an intimate way, okay? Have I exhausted that? Are you, are you with it? I haven't exhausted it because I can keep going on that one part. Are you with me? All right, well, look at me and smile. Okay. Here, here they are, seven spiritual habits. Just write these into your notes. Number one, read your Bible and pray daily. This is, this is something you ought to do every day. Read your Bible and pray every day. We're going to talk about the importance of the scriptures here in the second half of our message. But read the Bible and pray every day. Number two, attend worship weekly. That means if you're in town and you're not sick, you should be in church. If you are sick, you should listen to a podcast. One of the things I like to do, and maybe it's just because I'm a boring preacher type, I don't know, but when I'm in another town somewhere, I like to go to someone else's church. Sometimes it's just interesting to go to another church, I think. Number three, serve on a ministry team at least two hours monthly. Now, some of you are laughing when I say two hours monthly because you're like, man, I feel like this is a part-time job for me. I'm working 15 hours a month. You know, like if you're playing in the band, you're thinking, man. So the services are two hours on Sunday, but then I'm here in between. I'm here for, you know, run through early. I'm here on Thursday night for rehearsal. Then at home, I'm working on music and I'm learning. The two hours is really meant to be at least two hours. Jimmy, why is this a big deal? It's a big deal because until you understand the importance of serving other people, you're still buying the gospel, not selling the gospel. You don't really understand who Jesus is until you're serving other people. Number four, connect with a growth group quarterly. So in a, a couple of weeks, you're going to hear a lot more about this. But let, let me just say something here about growth groups. Growth groups are small groups, groups of people, 10 to 12 people who meet in homes. Some of our groups will meet here at the church. Some of them will meet in restaurants or coffee shops, you know, around our area. And there will be opportunities for you to sign up for groups starting around Easter. But right now, there should be a flyer in your, in your bulletin where we're just asking you to give us some input because right now, we're in the process of forming groups, but we want you to have some input. We, we want you to speak to this. And so there's a little survey there, and it's really important. Many of you have filled this thing out over the last couple of weeks. If you would fill it out again, well, if you haven't filled out one, fill, fill it out today and give us some, some feedback and what you'd like to see with these groups because they're gonna be launching here in just a few weeks. But you, you already have friends. I hope you do. Most of us have some friends, but all of us need some friends that are going in the, in the right direction, 
They're going in the same direction that we're trying to go into. Um, you need some people in your life that will encourage your faith. Because listen, the guys at the shop are not always going to be so encouraging about you having a godly marriage. In fact, they don't really care about your marriage at all. I mean, I'm not saying they I hope something bad happens to it, but they're not thinking about your marriage. So you need a group of people who are thinking about your marriage. You, you need people that you can encourage and, and help build up. And you need some people in your life that will do the same for you. We're going to run our groups quarterly. So there will be a way in a group and then a way out of a group. All the groups will start at the same time, you know, roughly the same time. Not the same day, same nights or whatever. But they're going to start about the same time, so, you, so there's an easy way to get into a group, but then there's a way to get out of a group. You know, one of the things that we've learned uh, over the years about groups is that sometimes when you get in a group, there can just be weird people in there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it happens. Do you, do you have weird people at work? You, you, you don't? Guess what? If you don't have a weird person at work, guess who the weird person is? <laughs> yeah, it's you. Or, or you get into a group and it's not really a good fit for you. So how do you get out of a group? Or if you've been in a group for a long time and you, you want to do something else, you know, you or you and your spouse or whatever the case may be, you want to get into another group, how do you do that? When you've been in a, a, long, um, a long-term group with three or four other couples or a group of singles, whatever, when you try to get out of that, it can be like trying to divorce that group. We've learned that some people would, would rather leave a church than have to leave a group. So we're going to have on-ramps and off-ramps. I mean, if you want to sign up the next quarter, the next semester with the same group of people, that, that's fine. But we want to build ways to get in and get out. Number five, participate in a mission project annually. So after Easter, we're going to offer some missions opportunities. Some of them are going to be local. Some of them are not going to be local. Some of them are going to be around the state or in the continental United States. There'll even be, you know, a trip that's going to be out of the United States. But, but you, get, you, get to, you get to choose. And, and it's not like we're asking you to do one of these every week or every month. But just once a year, at least, get involved in a Missions project. You remember the, the gas buy down that we did several years ago? If you were around then, you remember that. Such a powerful thing. That, that's, that's an example of a mission project. Number six, tithe your income systematically. Tithe on your income systematically. A tithe is 10%. So if you make $1,000 this week, your tithe ought to be $100. If you make $100 this week, your tithe ought to be $10. But not everyone gets paid every week. Sometimes we get paid every two weeks at, here at the church. That's the way we get paid every, every couple of weeks. So, some people, if, if you work in sales, you may get paid once a month or once a quarter or just whenever you sell something. It, it's, it's hard to say. So we're not even talking about each week, but just systematically. When, when you get paid, make it automatic that you're going to put God first and your finances, but we'll talk more about that down the road. And then number seven, invest in the lives of others and invite them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ always. In other words, 
investing in other people and inviting them to Jesus ought to be a lifestyle. It's just how you live your life. Um, we, we have some, some folks here in the room that, that do hair. I say do hair. I don't know what to say anymore about hair. They're, my mom, when I was growing up, she, she, was a, uh, she was a beautician. That's what they called them back then. Uh, but I don't, I don't think that the girls like that now, and, or the guys, I would say. They don't want to be called a beautician. So I think they're stylists now, and then there's barbers. Uh, I have a cousin who lives in Virginia, and uh, for years she was a hairstylist, but then she opened up a barber shop where she just does hair for men, and, and she just has a booming business. And for some of you, like if you're listening right now, whether you're live in this room or you're listening to this podcast and, and you do hair, quote unquote, do hair, the reason I don't ask you to cut my hair, well, there are a couple of reasons. Number one, people try to cut their preacher's hair for free. And I don't want that. I want to pay for the haircut. You're paying for stall time or your booth or you, you have bills to pay. And so I don't want it for free. Because when I come in and need a neck trim, I don't want anything. Oh, my gosh. Here comes the preacher again wanting something else for free. No, no, no. I wanted to pay for it from the very beginning. But the, the bigger reason is because people who cut my hair, I want to invite them to church. And so I've had a lady for a while who's been cutting my hair, and I've had to go and find someone else to cut it now because she started coming to church. <laughs> and so in a way, it's a little bit disappointing. I had to find somebody else I liked, but she knew the deal. When she started coming to church and she decided she was going to stick here, I had to say, listen, <laughs> I don't want you to stop coming because I'm going to find somebody else to do my hair. But I had to find somebody else to do my hair. Because I'm always looking for someone to invite to church. I'm always looking for someone to tell them about Jesus. And you should be too. All right. So I want you to switch gears here. Now I want us to look at a scripture passage. It's from the Old Testament. It's the book of Psalms. Say Psalms. It's Psalm 119. It's that really long passage of scripture that's almost exactly in the center of your Bible. Now, it's like 150 verses. We're not going to look at all those verses today, though. We're going to look at verses 25 to 32. Again, this is the longest chapter right in the middle of your Bible, but the whole psalm is really a celebration of God's word, his laws, his commands, his statutes. And listen, the way he intends us to live our lives. And what I want you to see in just a few verses that we're going to unpack this morning is the importance of reading the Bible, not just occasionally, but every single day. And I want you to think about this. Just, just, just hold this intention with, um, with the seven habits Think, think about your life in 10 or 20 years. 
if, if you take these spiritual habits seriously, th- th- think about what your life could look like in the next 15, 20 years. James, you and Dylan, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to drill into this. Uh, young people, I, I want you to really consider this because James, Dylan, you, you might find it hard to believe, but one day you're going to be as old as Ricky. Dylan, James, one day you're going to be as old as your old man. And the decisions that you guys make, the decisions that all of us make between now and then will determine what our lives look like then. So, so let's just say this, this one part of our lives, our spiritual lives, what if you started reading your Bible and praying every day, not just for a month, but for the next decade, you know, we're right at the beginning of this new decade. What, what would your life look like in the next 10 years if you read the Bible and prayed every day? Okay, so let, let's just give us a little bit of slack here. Let's, let's say you read your Bible and pray 300 days this year. Not, not all 365. There's still 365 days in a year, right? 366 this year. It's sleep year, right? Anybody born... On February 29th. Okay. Do what? Oh, how about that? And that's kind of cool though, isn't it? But you, you get to decide when you're going to celebrate his birthday. It's going to be the 28th. It's going to be the first. Tell him happy birthday. Um, you read the Bible and pray 300 days this year. You do that for a decade. You've read the Bible through, cover to cover, between eight and ten times. Think about that over a 20-year period where you've read the Bible anywhere between 15 and 20 times. Think about mission projects. Maybe you don't go on a missions trip every year. But in the next 20 years, you could have 20 ministry or mission experiences. Think about the investment of the hours that you would put into serving the body of Christ if you would serve two hours a month in one of our ministry teams. Think, think about what that looks like over the next 20 years. Man, it's life-changing. And the life change really begins with reading the scriptures, reading them and studying them. Every single day. So let me just read these verses and then I'll come back and we'll unpack this. Everybody okay? Because I know you're looking at those fill-ins and you're thinking, man, we got a ways to go. We got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. Eastbound and down, load them up. Oh my, where did that come from? Smokey and the bandit, come on guys. Man, you guys need to get some culture. All right, enough of that. Psalm 119, verses 25 through 32. He says, I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. I told you my plans and you answered. Now teach me your decrees. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments. And I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. 
Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands for you expand my understanding. Let me give you five things that you need to know about reading the scriptures every single day. Write these into your notes. Number one, be honest about where you are spiritually. You just have to be honest about where you are spiritually. I love that the psalmist, he's not afraid to say where he's at. He says, I lie in the dust. This is a guy who's saying, I'm at the end of my rope. Some of you feel that way today. He's saying, I feel like I'm at the end of my life. I feel like the, the life has gone out of me. This is a guy who's messed up. This is a guy who took the road that's most traveled. He's messed up in different ways. And what he realizes is that his life has had spiritual drift. He's not where he started. His life has drifted a long way from from God. And one of the things that I love about this guy is that he's willing to admit where he is. And let me tell you something. If your life is going to change, if you're going to become a whole new you, you just have to be honest about where you are. You have to be honest about where you are right now with your life, in your life, every area of your life, but especially where you are spiritually. Just be honest about it. Next, realize that spiritual habits give life. They give life. He he says in the second part of verse five, revive me by your word. See, one of the things that I don't want you to think about the spiritual disciplines, including reading the Bible and praying every day, I don't want you to think that, well, this is just one more thing to add into my overcrowded life. Because that's not the idea. The idea is not to just add a bunch of things. The idea is to set your priorities to focus on what's really important, to focus on the things that are going to really make a difference in your life, the things that are going to help you to change. Remember, these spiritual disciplines, these habits, they're about pursuing God. And right here, the psalmist says, my life was gone out of me. I'm face down in the dirt. But God's word, it gave me life. God's word revived me. You want a spiritual revival? Start opening your Bible up tomorrow morning. Spend the first 15 minutes. Remember in our Back on Track series a few months ago, we talked about the first 15. Spend the first 15 minutes of every day before you get on social media, before you check your emails, before you, before you talk to your spouse. Spend some time listening to God and then talk back to him in prayer about the things he's been saying to you in his word. Jimmy, I don't know where to start. I'll tell you where to start. There are 42 days between now and Easter. Remember this conversation we had a few weeks ago? So I challenged you 
just to read Mark, Luke, and John, because we read Matthew together last year, end of last year. So read Mark, Luke, and John. Well, now we're down to 42 days. Luke and John, those, chap- those books combined, 45 chapters. Read a chapter every morning. Start with Luke. And I know it starts with the Christmas story, and it's almost Easter, and that's fine. That's the beginning of the story. But read Luke and John. Read a chapter every morning. Let God talk to you, and then in prayer, you talk back to him. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what it does. Let me tell you how it revives you. Just write four words down in the margins of your notes. Purpose. Perspective. Peace, power. Purpose, perspective, peace, and power. Want to know what your purpose in life is? It's right here in this book. Want a new perspective on life? Want to see your life and the lives of other people in a brand new way? Start reading this book. Want to have peace in your life that passes all understanding, the kind of peace you can't explain? Start marinating your life in this book. You want power to make it through whatever situation you face in life? Get into this book and let this book get into you. It gives you power. I think the perspective thing is important. And it's important every day because we watch the news every day. I think the coronavirus is as serious as any other virus would be. But my perspective on the virus is that the God who created us, creation belongs to him, the one who wrote this book or gave us this book through others is the one who holds the world in his hands. And so the coronavirus, nor Ebola, nor any other disease is going to be the end of this age. There's not going to be a nuclear war that brings an end to the age because Russia, nor NATO, nor the United States nor China, nor anyone else owns this world. This is our spiritual father's world. It's his world. And when he decides to bring an end to the age, he'll bring an end to the age. You know where that perspective is, that God is sovereign? Right here in this book. Number three, spiritual habits, like reading the Bible, they give you understanding. Say understanding. And you need some, don't you? The psalmist says in verse 27, help me understand the meaning of your commandments and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. His commandments are in this book. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand it. God will help you understand it. And his deeds, who God is, what he's done, It's right here. And if you want to know what God's going to do today and tomorrow, you need to see what he's done already. Because based on what he's already done, you can know what God is going to do in the future. 
God is the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then we have a lot of questions about life. Questions like, why does this or that happen? Where, where does the coronavirus come from? Where does any virus come from? Where does any sickness come from? Genesis 3. We live in a sin-sick, broken, fallen world. We just do. Sickness, disease, death. It's as old as sin, which is as old as Genesis 3. Why do bad things happen to good people? It's right here in this book. What am I supposed to do with my life? What, what am I supposed to become? How do I handle a tough relationship? How, how do I deal with problems, with waves of problems that are, are bigger than me? The answer to life's questions are right here in this book. And, and I know because Rocky River is a church where, where anyone is welcome to come. We're not a church for everyone, but we are a church for anyone. And so there are some folks listening right now, and you're not, you're not a believer. So you're not really sure what to do with the scriptures. The easy thing for you would just say, well, I just don't understand that. I don't see how all this could happen. I don't see how this could work. Then start reading the book. I dare you. I challenge you. If you're, if you're a non-believer, start reading it. Start with Luke and John. If you read Luke and John and then decide, None of it's true, then okay, but at least give it an honest shot. The answers that you're looking for, they're right here in your word. And, and listen, I have lots of respect for non-believers. I have, I have lots of respect for um, atheists, but not an atheist who doesn't have the courage to actually read the book for himself. Number four, spiritual habits encourage you. They, they give you courage. They give you strength. Verse 28, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Reading your Bible gives strength to do life. It, it gives you the courage to face whatever life throws at you. Just seeing the world through his eyes gives you strength. And you're going to have all kinds of struggles and challenges in life. Amen? Mm. But let me tell you something. When you engage God's word, you find strength and courage that you need. And not only to survive, because I don't think that God just wants us to survive, but to thrive in life. And then there's one more. Spiritual habits give me direction. They give me direction. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands for you expand my understanding. The word of God will give your life direction. And some of us need direction, don't we? What, what is the, um, what, what's the passage of scripture? Your word is a, a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. W wanna know which way to go? Get yourself in this book. There are, there are thousands of books that, that will teach you how to do life. 
And I have not thousands of them, but I have a lot of them. I have tons of leadership books. I've been reading a lot over the past year about how to be more productive, how to make the most of my time and things like that. And there's, there's a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of good helps out there. But everything fails in comparison to what the scriptures teach us. Why? Because the Bible is like an owner's manual of our lives. So only his word can tell us how to best live our lives, right? And I'm sure that some of you are thinking right now, well, you know, I'm my own man or I'm my own woman. I don't need someone telling me how to to live my life. Listen, even by making that statement, what you're saying is, I'm already taking someone else's lead because you didn't decide that on your own. I'll bet that you didn't come to the conclusion that all this Christian stuff, all this Bible stuff, ah, it's just all made up. I'll bet you didn't come to that conclusion on your own. I'll bet you somebody helped you with that. Friend in high school you thought was really smart, had it all together. Biology professor or anthropology professor in college, you thought, oh, wow, this guy or this guy, they, they have all the answers. They really know. He or she has a PhD if the PhD doesn't believe in the Bible and all that stuff, well, then I don't have to believe it either. But let me tell you something. You have already adopted someone else's philosophy for how to live your life. Why not listen to the one who created you? Really quickly, I'm going to give you these three action words. Just write these down. I'll come back and explain them. Choose, choose, cling, and pursue. Choose, cling, and pursue. The psalmist says, I have chosen to be faithful. Listen, you have to choose to take responsibility for your life. God's not going to force it on you, and no one else can force it on you. You have to choose to be faithful. You have to choose every day, just like you choose to go to work, just like you choose to go to school, just like you choose what you're going to eat. You have to choose to put your life in the scriptures. You have to choose to spend the first 15 minutes with God. You have to choose to make these seven spiritual habits a part of your life. Cling. He says, I will cling to your laws This has to do with priorities. And listen, if you're so busy that you don't have enough time to read the scriptures in the morning and pray, then you are too busy. And you're too busy doing things that are not that important. And I'll tell you now that nothing is more important, not even your caffeine, nothing is more important to start your day with than the scriptures. But what are you going to cling to? What are you going to hold on to and then pursue? He says, I will pursue your commands. This idea of pursuing means running after, running toward. Right now, some of you are running in the wrong direction. You're chasing after the wrong things. Let me tell you what the Bible will help you do. It'll help you understand the right things to run after. The right things to chase down. Things, listen, that will give you life, not wreck your life.
The challenge is that first and 15. I'm challenging you to spend the first 15 minutes of every day in God's word. Start with Luke and go through John. I'll tell you what, if you do, it will change how you see Easter in just a few weeks. It'll change your perspective on life. It'll change you. If you don't believe me, I dare you to do it. Let's stand together and pray. Will you do that? Once you're standing, if you just bow your head and close your eyes, I'm, I'm going to say a simple prayer over you. And here it is. Lord, give us the courage to get into this book. Lord, in a day and age when so many people are pulling away from the scriptures, even in, even in churches, Lord, we will not because the words in this book are the words of life. I know some people stumble over them, but most of the time that's because they've read just a passage from here and there. They've not read it all. I pray that you'd give us the courage to choose it, to cling to it, and to pursue it, to pursue you. Jesus, we pray in your great name. Those who agreed said, amen. Listen, I want to remind you guys, next Sunday we have a guest speaker, and you're not going to want to miss it. Nelson Sears, he's one of my best friends in life and ministry. Um, last three years, almost to, almost to, well, March 17th would be three years ago, he was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, given 10 months to live. The Lord's done a great thing in his life, and uh, his cancers and remission. And what he's going to share with us next week is a message about how to handle, how to understand, how to deal with chronic sickness and pain. And so what I want to ask you to do is not only plan to be here yourself, but bring somebody with you. Bring some, someone who, who's sick, someone who's struggling, someone who, who deals with pain every day invite them to come with you and then don't forget that the following Wednesday night at 7 o'clock we're going to have a special prayer service here in the room we're going to go to the book of James and we're going to literally give opportunities for folks to come down to the front for uh, prayer to be anointed with oil we're going to have our our spiritual leaders come down and lay hands and pray for those who, who want that but it's going to be a powerful time of prayer and uh, not, not everyone who comes will have to come down to the front, even if you're sick. You don't, you don't have to come down to the front. You don't have to have oil on you. But it's going to be a powerful prayer service. So make sure that you have that on your calendar, too. I love you guys. And uh, I'll see you next week, if not before. I don't know what to do with myself this week. I don't have a sermon to write. I'll find something. <laughs>